Good morning and welcome to St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, this Sacred Heart Hour on the first Friday of the month of March. Coming to you live from St. Gabriel Catholic Radio Studios, this is Father Stosh Daly, joined by Chuck and Joanne Wilson. Good morning. Good morning, Father. <laughs> and as we enter into this month of March, and this first day of the month, and the first Friday of the month, dedicated to the Sacred Heart of our Lord Jesus Christ, we enter into this hour together by joining our thoughts, our prayers, and our intentions as one as we pray the morning offering. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world. I offer them for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart, the salvation of souls, reparation for sin, and the reunion of all Christians. I offer them for the intentions of our bishops and of all apostles of prayer, and in particular, for those recommended by our Holy Father this month. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We're off and running. We are. First Friday of the month of March, and we enter into this hour dedicated to the Sacred Heart of our Lord Jesus Christ here at St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. And the mission of this hour, the mission of Sacred Heart Columbus, the mission of all of the missionaries of the Sacred Heart, is to bring the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ into every home, into every place of education, every place of employment, uh, but first and foremost into every heart, to bring our Lord Jesus Christ to every single one of us, whether you're here in the studio live, whether you're in a car on your way to work, whether you're at home, whether you're at work, whether you're um, on the way to drop the children off at the school, on the way to the gym or the community center for aerobics or a walk, uh, or whether you're just sitting back and looking at the snow, which has come I again. I snow, Father. <laughs> I do. I'm glad one of us does. That's great. <laughs> so, I've had my fair share. It's time to move on. <laughs> Let the daffodils pop out and bloom. You know? so, in the snow. It's been awesome. So we are coming off of an exciting month, the month of February, where we were so incredibly blessed to have mm. so many great events take place here in the local church. And uh, not the least of which was a couple of gatherings of enormous number and uh, filled the church with a lot of excitement here on the local level. We had great people come in from around the country to address the conferences. And what's particularly beautiful is for those of you who are blessed and privileged to be able to attend the women's conference and the men's conference, hopefully you had an opportunity to stop by the Sacred Heart table where we had a we lot of busy, a lot of very, very outgoing and very engaging missionaries working there. And we had that prime location we right did. there. <laughs> right next to St. Gabriel. Yes. It's what and happens when you work for the Lord. <laughs> so, Chuck and Joanne, what were your thoughts about the conferences this year? Well, you know, at the Women's Conference, I think the two complement each other in such a special way. At the Women's Conference, uh, I love the speakers, but really, it's busy time. Working the table, the vendors, all the opportunities for growth in our diocese. The Holy Spirit has you run into people that you know that you need to see or haven't seen. It's busy. For the men's conference, I make it my day of retreat. And I've done this now for, you know, Chuck's been involved from the very beginning. And since it's been, you know, on the radio, I have um, a notepad and I listen to the talks. I take notes. It's really my quiet day. And I really recommend that to the women because when Chuck gets home... You get to hold him accountable. I do. <laughs> <laughs> now, Chuck, in the first conference, what did I you think about know. this? <laughs> but, you know, it's great conversation. 
Oh, yeah, for it's sure. It's great growth when you both have experience. Now, I don't know if he listens to the women's conference <laughs> quite as closely, but um, I really do recommend that yeah, for absolutely. women. They they are included through the radio, and um, I got so much out of it, both of them. Well, I think the gift of the co- both conferences is really St. Gabriel Radio. Absolutely. Because we're really talking to two audiences. We're talking mm-hmm. to the audience that came to the conferences, and then St. Gabriel is also broadcasting to almost two-thirds of the state or more, uh, an audience that could not come to the conference but are getting all the talks, are getting the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. And I know for the men, the theme was put on the whole armor of God. And I was thinking of that theme today, Father, as we talk about how do we put that armor of God on into our homes How do we take these conferences back into the home today? And I think we have such a wonderful special guest that's really going to be helping us with that. In a minute, we'll introduce our guest. But Chuck, I also want to make sure that you tell our listeners that they can still hear the the talks in the archives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're on the archives, St. Gabriel Radio, both conferences. You can go on. We have one more talk today at 4 o'clock, uh, Dr. Tim Gray. Oh, and that was my favorite. That's a wonderful <laughs> talk. But we've had Jesse, we've had the bishop already this week. The women's uh, speakers have already been on. So St. Gabriel is really the extension, the third party Absolutely. of the men yeah. and women. Be a sustainer. Support oh. our and you know, Saint the, Gabriel. The great thing is, like at the invitation of the radio, we're here for this first Friday hour. And when you go to the conferences, if you're if you're able to go in person, which is an awesome, great privilege, um, just the excitement, the energy, mm-hmm. the presence of the Holy Spirit in the air. Uh, but for us, you know, those of us who are really invested in the promoting the kingdom of God through the Sacred Heart of Jesus and getting our Lord's Sacred Heart into every home. To be there, it's a fulfillment of what began way back in the 1600s when our Lord visited St. Margaret Mary in that little monastery in Perilimonial, France, where he entrusted to her this incredible mission of make known, make public, you know, the warmth, the love, the mercy that's found within my mm-hmm. sacred heart. And to go into the conferences, you have thousands. I mean, it's not just like 10 people who are best friends who just want to hang out in a big open room. I mean, it's <laughs> thousands of people, thousands and thousands of people. It's totally overwhelming as a priest, especially when you're used to living in a rectory by yourself. It has to be a real boost. <laughs> and no. It's incredible. It it's huge. Be. And you walk in there and then right there, you find so much uh, not just openness, openness and excitement, but you also find the reality of being challenged by the Sacred Heart as people come up and ask mm-hmm. very sincere questions. They do. You know, well, what is the Sacred Heart? And it just renews that mission to make sure that for those of us uh, who participate in the First Friday devotions, you know, it's not just for those of us, it's for all. You know, if you're listening from the car, if you're listening from home, if you're listening, uh, you know, while you're working out, or if you're someone who attended the conference and you happen to pick up one of the cards from the Sacred Heart table, to be there was really awesome because it makes known and it makes public that the heart of Christ is for everyone. It's not just for a few select individuals, it's for everyone. And to be there at the conference and to see so many people who want to grow and they want to know and they want to know how to love, and in that love they want to know how to serve, you know, there's a certain, there's a definite charge in the air. And this year we updated our cards so you could check a box to say, you know, I might not be ready to uh, actually 
choose a date, but please call me. And, you know, let's talk more. And I do have questions because it is a busy time. And we want to make sure that we communicate that you can always do that. You can always call us and email us and we'll call you back. And if there's anything, you know, more that you need to know or what are the barriers to doing this, um, let's talk about it. And if you didn't get to the conference, you can call in today. We have the uh, St. Gabriel team ready to answer the phones at 614-459-4820 or 614-459-4820. Just if you have a question or if you're ready for, you went to the conference and you say, you know, I I want this. My family needs the lifeline. We need Jesus more than ever. Lent is around the corner. It's March 6th, Ash Wednesday. Uh, So we've gone from... From the high of the conferences, a great month of February right into Lent. And this is a great month to say, Lord, let's bring the sacred heart in. Let's transplant our home, our hearts back to Jesus. And also, Chuck, we're collecting witness stories. So to call us or email us because we now have a monthly newsletter. And, you know, as we hear these stories... And if you, you know, you don't have to put your name to them, but transformation is happening. Graces are flowing, and we'd like to know about them. And if you're one of those over 2,500 households that have done the enthronement already, I mean, that's a huge number. (laughs) It's over 2,500 households in central Uh Ohio have enthroned the sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ in their homes as king, brother, and friend. If you're one of those households and... There is that opportunity to give a witness because your words might inspire someone else to open their door to their home and open the door to their heart to allow the sacred heart of Jesus to come in and reign. And just as a result of the fervor, the excitement, and the promptings of the Holy Spirit, over 75 households at the two conferences signed up for the enthronement in the days to come. We're so our work busy. is definitely set out. You yeah, know, totally in a good set way. Out. Very much so. And, and again, we, we've talked about this before. It's 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 an hour preparation time, an hour for the enthronement time. We come into your home. We bring everything. We go into one room. We don't parade around the house. <laughs> we don't check the bedrooms. Right. <laughs> we just give us the room that you feel comfortable where Jesus and it would be a wonderful room for the family to gather. And we don't stay. You don't and give we, us the room. No, <laughs> we don't give us the room. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, it's just an hour preparation phase, and then we come back a week later for the enthronement phase. We witness you enthroned, but I know for Joanne and I and our special guest here in a moment, we'll introduce Bill Inger. Oh, it's going to be a good Those one. Those <laughs> that have had their home enthroned realize the tremendous graces. This is from Jesus. Mm, absolutely. And what a gift. But anyway, so we're blessed to have Bill Hinger as our guest Uh, For this session of the Sacred Heart Hour, Bill and his wife, Mary Beth, are parishioners at St. Michael and involved with perpetual adoration across the world, but uh, (laughs) maybe here in Columbus and the diocese. But what a gift they have been and our missionaries to the Sacred Heart. And Bill, we certainly welcome you and maybe share a little bit. How did you become involved as a Sacred Heart missionary? Well, thank you, Chuck and uh, Joanne and Father, for having me on this hour. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit about uh, our experience. 
Um, well, almost uh, six years to the day, March 5th, uh, Father Daly came to our house to enthrone <laughs> our home. And uh, at the end of uh, the enthronement, Father looked at us and kind of casually said, uh, now you must be missionaries and take this out to other homes. Did I say that casually? <laughs> or was it forcefully? I, you had that look. Boy, do I ever. It's a directive. <laughs> but... Uh, so Mary Beth and I kind of looked at each other and thought, okay, we can do this. And uh, as we as we began to be missionaries to other homes and families, um, I think initially for me, the devotion to the Sacred Heart was more of a, a metaphor. It was a metaphor of consoling the heart of Jesus for all the disrespect and sacrileges uh, that had been done to him over, over the course of time. And it didn't come until later that um, it, it was a much deeper meaning for, for myself and Mary Beth. But uh, from there, um, as we began to do the enthronements, that connection for us, me, me particularly, between the devotion of the Sacred Heart and Eucharistic adoration became quite apparent. And so not only was it a way to evangelize the devotion of the Sacred Heart, but it was an opportunity to spread the devotion of Eucharistic adoration to families and kind of draw them into that. So it was, and how did was there a special event that happened, Bill, or something that just said, "Wait a minute, there is a connection." Well, it was through a course of events. Uh, again, I'm kind of thick as uh, it can be sometimes, but uh, through a course of events, um, and I was jotting these down. We asked for a brochure to just generally talk about adoration, and uh, the company sent us the wrong, <laughs> the wrong brochure. The <laughs> number was we had the right number, but they picked another one, and actually was a brochure on the miracle, the Eucharistic miracle at Lanciano. Mm. Mm. Oh yeah, in the eighth uh, century, I believe it was, and um, so. I started reading about that, and then, of course, that led into the Miracles of the Eucharist book that was put out, and then we finally had that display at IC. And so over time, this these Miracles of the Eucharist became apparent to me more and more clearly. I heard a talk by Father Dan Dury at the Catholic Men's Lunch Club about the actual chemical analyses of when the host actually turns to flesh and blood and the chemical analysis that was um, done on these, both for Lanciano in the 8th century and for another miracle in Buenos Aires in 1996. And if you go down and look at just the, the basic parameters, the blood type, the DNA, it's all the same person. It's all the same wow. DNA. It's it's the same person, and the person is live. Mm-hmm. The person is not dead. And so after these events kind of occurred to me that um, there's something going on here that's a little more beyond what I thought. And so as I thought about this, what became apparent to me is that not only is devotion to the Sacred Heart a, a metaphor, yes, but it is indeed the Eucharist. I mean, it's devotion to the Eucharist. And so it makes natural sense to me that if you're if you're doing the devotion to the Sacred Heart, you should be going to Eucharistic Adoring adoration as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Father, what's your yeah. understanding 
Are we on the same this page? Well, I'd love to say I'm blown away, but I have to have words because we're live on radio. So. <laughs> but I, you know, Bill, just to clarify, yeah. and I think it's important for a lot of our listeners who, you know, this might be news, but mm-hmm. what you're referring to is what the church has always held to be true, and that is the Eucharist, like mm-hmm. the Eucharist at Mass, you know, the host that you see Father hold up at Mass, and then he says the words of consecration over, you know, from the beginning of the Epiclesis to when the two elevations occur, the priest holds up the host, and then the priest holds up the chalice with the wine that's become the blood. That host, after consecration, is what has been analyzed, you know, Mm -hmm. in the miracles. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the remnant uh, of the sacred species, as we refer to the host after consecration from Lanciano, or the most... uh, I would say the most popular recent Eucharistic miracle of Buenos Aires, uh, when Archbishop Bergoglio, now Pope Francis, Mm -hmm. was there. Uh, This is what's being uh, discussed by doctors and scientists. They're they're looking at the host after it's been consecrated. It's hosting our Lord, literally. And in these Eucharistic miracles, uh, the interior reality of God's presence has manifested itself in an exterior exposition. So the host that you see that looks like bread but is God actually now reflects its divine presence, and it takes upon the appearance of flesh and blood. And that's what's being analyzed. And what Bill so powerfully highlights is it's not just a couple of pious Catholics staying in the back pew who are saying this. These are doctors, many of whom are not men and women of faith. Right. Or at least not to start with. You know, (laughs) they are now. And they were shocked. They were absolutely shocked that the species that they had been analyzing in science wasn't a recent event, that they had been held in water for months, you know, and then it had been kept in water, like the host was actually kept in water so that it would dissolve, but it didn't dissolve. It, the Eucharistic miracle in Buenos Aires, it actually continued to change. The blood became more noticeable, and they realized that it came from a heart, a mm-hmm. heart that was beating, a heart that was beating, a heart that was beating, but under incredible torture and stress. And it was producing a particular kind of blood cell. I believe it was the white blood cell, showing that the person, the victim, the one who had this uh, muscle tissue extracted, was someone who is alive right now. Yes. Right now, like at this very moment. And the doctor couldn't believe it because those particular cells wouldn't last very long. And yet to realize that it has been months and the scientific examination took place in New York City, not Buenos Aires. So they transported it from South America to North America, and they realized that it has the same um, signature or DNA signature as the reality of Lanciano. And so that, you know, the reality is when you have the sacred heart of Jesus in your home, when you have that image, whether it's a picture, whether it's a statue, whether it's a relief, a holy card, when you have that image of the heart of Christ that is an artistic rendering of a living reality that is reposed in the tabernacle, or it is exposed in the monstrance for adoration. So, like, you know, for those who haven't thrown the sacred heart of Jesus, this conversation is a powerful opportunity to just acknowledge, to continue to develop the process of honoring the heart of Christ in your home, just as you would adore the heart of Christ in adoration, right. just as you receive the heart of Christ in Holy Communion. So, it's so awesome that you would bring this up and kind of just bring that to our forefront. Well, there, there are a couple other things. Some of the comments made by the scientists who were doing these analyses, were, and the one that struck me the most was, in all of them, this person was under great stress. stress. Yeah. Now, how did they know that? Uh, it had something the... to do with the um, 
the white blood cells that were oh, present. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some of the other uh, chemical things, which uh, I am not a chemist, so I won't go into uh, for uh, <laughs> the running the risk of misspeaking. But um, one of the quotes was, this person was in severe stress and in death's agony. Mm-hmm. And wow. that just gave me chills when I read that quote. But also the, the blood type is AB positive, which in looking at some of the just the interesting characteristics of AB positive, um, people who are AB positive can receive any blood type and so are known as the universal recipients, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which if you substitute AB positive for Jesus Christ, he's the recipient of all yeah. people. It is, There's not one single amazing. person who cannot draw close yeah. to him. Yeah, he yeah. wants us all. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, and, and to know that the, the DNA matched uh, between Lanciano and Buenos Aires were the same. Exactly. And as well Separated as some of the centuries. other miracles. Yes. Separated by, by centuries. centuries. Yes. And of course, hundreds of thousands of miles. You know. And the other thing that uh, struck me was, it, as an um, extension of that first metaphor meaning for me, was that in the end, Christ is wanting us to conform our hearts to his so that we can be him to others. Yeah. And mm. the only way I, I cannot articulate that, but in this book that uh, Chuck and Joanne were, were so kind to give us, Enthronement of the Sacred Heart by Reverend Francis Larkin, uh, there's a quote in here by Pope Pius Twelfth, and I'd just like to read it because it articulates best what I cannot. And it says, uh, uh, Pope Pius Twelfth says, that each must conform his own life to Christian precepts, must burn with ardent love for the blessed Eucharist, and partake of the divine banquet as often as possible, must strive through humble prayer to God and through holy penance to obtain by every means in his power not only his own salvation, but also the redemption of others. Unquote. Just amazing. Just it's one of those moments where it- Everything comes together, mm. yes. and you realize the the holy faith really is a true gift. Um, you know, Bill, you and Mary Beth have been absolutely fundamental, foundational, and instrumental in not only uh, initiating and introducing, but also sustaining uh, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, especially in adoration chapels and in parish churches, and in the great practice of perpetual Eucharistic adoration. Um, it is fair for me to say, although you're probably not going to like this, <laughs> you and Mary Beth have covered hundreds and hundreds of hours before the Lord. Uh, and in that moment of intimacy with Jesus, you know, and adoring him before um, an hour or two, especially if the weather gets tight and an adorer might not be able to make it. And you guys have been very faithful in making sure that our Lord is covered at the Adoration Chapel at Immaculate Conception very supportive of Perpetual Adoration at St. Michael's and their Adoration Chapel, and you've helped other parishes just get off the road so that they can start and get going. Uh, what is your what is your takeaway? Like, if you know of someone who loves adoring the Lord, you know, and you had an opportunity to encourage them to do the enthronement, how would that unfold? What would be the words you would use to bring the Sacred Heart into their home? Well, I think, for me, based on what I've learned myself, I think the most important thing is to make the connection for them between Eucharistic adoration and devotion to the Sacred Heart. That they're inseparable. They complement each other. And so 
by virtue of of going and attending Eucharistic adoration, you automatically would want to extend that to your home and bring the blessings (laughs) that come with it into your home and to your family. Right. (laughs) And so, yes, it's not uh, real in the sense that you're bringing the Eucharist into your home, but the idea is that by bringing the devotion into your home, you're extending the Eucharist to your home and you truly are becoming the domestic church. Your home is a, a tabernacle in so many ways, and you you reap the benefits of the devotion to the Sacred Heart within your family. Mm-hmm. And, and by doing so, you are conforming your heart to the heart of Christ. Right. And Bill, as you've been a missionary now for a while with Mary Beth, have you experienced going out to other homes, the transformation that you're talking about? Yes, Uh we we were trying to think of some of the examples uh, that have occurred while being in a home. And uh, one of the m- more recent ones is we, we started an enthronement last Sunday. And uh, as we were finishing the prayers, we were sitting towards the back of the house, but you could see the hallway down to the front door. And uh, I said, well, I think that's that wraps it up for today. And these what, this is what you'll be doing for the next seven days till we return. And I no sooner finished that, and the door, the front door blew open, and this wind came down the hallway out into the room, and we all kind of looked at each other. <laughs> wow, <laughs> what a Pentecost uh, in your own home here, the Holy Spirit. But uh, it was just kind of a neat event that took place. Some of the other uh, enthronements, we had explained that if you want to invite friends, you can, and it's a celebration. Your enthronement is a celebration of your family and, and your home. And we returned the next uh, week for the enthronement, and to our surprise, we walk in the door, and there's 30, 40 people there. <laughs> oh. They're having a party. <laughs> Wonderful. And coincidentally, one of the children had uh, come home from the hospital due to an illness, and so they thought they'd take the advantage uh, take that opportunity that since he had had a homecoming that they would combine it with the sacred heart and everyone participated in the rosary the litany that's great it was absolutely phenomenal it was one now, of the ones yeah. we remember the most i have a question because i have obviously been adoring jesus you know for many years my life but as far as really adoration that hour you know i'm i'm finding myself unsettled I think one reason I haven't committed in the past is like I get fidgety. It's like I'm not sure what to do. I pray my rosary. I pray my divine mercy. And I just purchased this little booklet yesterday, the handy little guide to adoration. And to try to learn uh, in a deeper way how to make the most out of this hour, what would you say to listeners who are saying, okay, I'll give it a try? What? What direction could you give them to make it meaningful for especially the beginner? Well, we actually receive that question quite a bit because we live in a culture where there's so much noise. And people have heard this. Turn off your phone. Turn off the TV. Turn off the radio. Just turn off the noise. And you don't have to do anything in that hour if you don't want to. But it is a very tough transition to go from noise to silence for an hour. And so what I suggest to people is 
come for a five-minute visit to yeah. start with if mm-hmm. you can't commit to an hour and just slowly transition into the silence. And you'll be amazed that after that transition from five minutes to 15 to half hour to an hour, once you get to an hour, you can go five hours. <laughs> because yeah. if you can unplug everything and sit there in silence before our Eucharistic Lord, you will be amazed how quickly the time passes. You'll no sooner sit down. So you don't have to keep praying, you know, prayers. You can no. just be. You can just be. You can just listen, enjoy the silence, enjoy being in the presence of our Lord. I and felt like I was a slacker when I did that. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're ringing me up, Bill. You know, also talking about adoration, um, and I know you're, Referring to Father Larkin's book a little bit earlier, he talks about night adores, Mm -hmm. that to get the sacred heart and a candle in front of the sacred heart and spend an hour and just praying for your family, because again, it's the same heart. It's the same Mm -hmm. message. Jesus loves us. And in return, he wants us to love him greater and then put our family into his heart. And I think on First Friday, Father, that's one of the reasons we have the program here, the Sacred Heart Hour, is to get people to really get to Mass, receive Jesus. And what is so special about First Friday, Father? I mean, what the particular gift of First Friday is that it's a day set aside by Holy Mother the Church, where upon we have this opportunity to make an act of reparation to the sacred heart of Jesus out of love. You know, we don't consider just the reality of his death on the cross, but we enter into the mystery of his love found in his heart. And we make an act of reparation to that heart, the divine heart, the sacred heart of Jesus, which was, you know, affected by, it was pierced by, it endured the agony of, you know, impending death on the cross. But rather than seeing it as this doom and gloom opportunity, the heart of Christ becomes the focus of the First Friday so that we can really have an opportunity to enter into his love and his mercy and to go to Holy Mass, like you said, and to receive our Lord Jesus Christ in Holy Communion. A lot of churches have adoration on the first Friday for exactly the same reason Bill was highlighting earlier, because of the connection between the heart of Christ and the Most Blessed Sacrament, the Holy Eucharist, to draw close to that heart in the flesh, Mm -hmm. not just in the image that we might have in our home, but in the flesh, and to realize, you know, a lot of us treat the church as if it's a hideaway, from our home, the chaos of our home. It's like, I just need to get out of here and go visit our Lord in the church. Get me out of here. Well, the reality is we should be going from the Lord and then going to the Lord. We're leaving the Lord and going to the Lord. And we're leaving the Lord in the home, in his heart, his heart which is present in the domestic church, and we're going to the Lord in his home, the church, where his heart is present. Wow, that's and then from beautiful. the tabernacle at the church, we go back to our home where mm-hmm. he's exposed and honored for veneration. But, you know, with all of the weird things and evil things and very oppressive things going on in the world today, we are in desperate need of that Mm -hmm. opportunity to draw close to the heart of Jesus on the first Friday and make an act of reparation. If we who believe in him, if we who claim to love him, are not willing to draw close to him for an hour to receive him in the Mass on first Friday, who will? You know, we're here to make sure that the Lord is not left alone. We're here to make sure that the Lord, his heart is consoled, like Bill highlighted earlier, you know, that his heart is kept at the center of our lives. And then we become that leaven that spreads throughout the world. 
Well, I know, Father, we have to close this session, but we can continue, right? We have another session. Oh, I'm sure. Are you, you excited about that, <laughs> Who knows that, what the Holy Spirit's going to bring up for the next one? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Very well. Well, as we bring to a close this first segment, we are so filled with gratitude for the presence of Bill Hinger and uh, his words of encouragement and invitation, as well as words of challenge to those who adore the Lord in uh, adoration, but also those who have enthroned. If you have enthroned the Lord in your home in a sacred heart, consider taking an hour of adoration in a place where the Lord is adored. And if you adore the Lord in adoration chapel and you have yet to do the enthronement, take this as an invitation. We close with our prayer to the sacred heart. O most holy heart of Jesus, fountain of every blessing, we adore you, we love you, and with a lively sorrow for our sins, we offer you these poor hearts of ours. Make us humble, patient, pure, and wholly obedient to your will. Grant, good Jesus, that we may live in you and for you. Protect us in the midst of danger. Comfort us in our afflictions. Give us health of body, assistance in our temporal needs. Your blessings in all that we do. In the grace of a holy death. Amen. 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 Today is the fourth day of our Novena of Thanksgiving for Bishop Frederick F. Campbell. O Lord, our hearts are filled with deep gratitude for Bishop Campbell's dedication and support of radio evangelization on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. O Sacred Heart of Jesus, we thank you for Bishop Campbell's faithful teaching, loving guidance, and personal sacrifices for the Diocese of Columbus. O Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, burning furnace of divine love, we ask that you inspire us to show our appreciation to Bishop Campbell. Let him experience the love of God through our prayers, sincere notes of gratitude, and above all else, our witness to a holy life. O holy heart of Jesus, we offer you this novena prayer of thanksgiving through the merits of your sacred heart for the intentions of Bishop Frederick F. Campbell. Did you know that your body has a theology? I enjoy a classic love story. Boy meets girl, they fall in love, and they live happily ever after. Why do these stories resonate so strongly? Men and women were created by God to give and receive love. The book of Genesis makes it clear that God doesn't want us to be alone, because He isn't alone. God is of one divine nature, yet three persons, each pouring out abundant love for the other. We are of one human nature, yet two forms, male and female perfectly designed to reflect the love of the Trinity. As relational beings, placed in front of us is God, others, nature, and ourselves to mirror Trinitarian love. This is the classic love story everyone should know about. I'm Clarissa Cicciocco for Creative Catholic Works. For more TOB Minutes, you can find us at creativecatholicworks.org. Good morning and welcome back to St. Gabriel Catholic Radio here at the Sacred Heart Hour on this first Friday of the month of March, a day dedicated to honoring, venerating, and drawing close to the Sacred Heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Coming live from the studios here at St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, we have our host for the hour, Chuck and Joanne Wilson. Good morning. And we have our special guest for the day, Bill Hinger. Good morning. uh, Who is probably supposed to just be with us last segment, but we've actually fastened for the chair. And he's going to be forced. Something about these handcuffs for the chair. (laughs) Once you're in, you don't get out. Uh, This is what we don't tell you before you go. (laughs) 
<laughs> we just had an awesome segment on the connection between having our Lord's Sacred Heart enthroned in the home and adoring mm. the Lord's Sacred Heart in the Holy Eucharist in adoration. As we enter into the second segment of this hour dedicated to the Sacred Heart of our Lord Jesus Christ, we'll begin with prayer. And before we enter into that opening prayer for this segment, we want to turn towards the intention of prayer given to us by our Holy Father for this, this month of March 2019. Our Holy Father, Pope Francis, has asked for our prayer intention this month, uniting ourselves to him, to be focused on evangelization, especially the recognition of the right of Christian communities, that Christian communities, especially those who are persecuted, feel, know, and acknowledge that they are close to Christ and have their rights respected. Keeping that intention given to us by our Holy Father in mind and heart, we enter into the prayer for this next segment on our Sacred Heart Radio program. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Clothe us, Lord God, with the virtues of the heart of your Son, and set us aflame with his love, that conformed to his image, we may merit a share in eternal redemption. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Now, if you recognize that prayer, that prayer is the opening collect for the Mass for the first Friday, the, a Mass offered in veneration to the Sacred Heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's important because we enter into this segment with that hunger for the Lord, a hunger that each one of us has. Each one of us, from the moment of our conception, is given this hunger for the Lord, or like a God-sized hole. I love that hmm. phrase. You know, we're each given that God-sized hmm. hole that only God can fill, and only God will fill that hole. And opening ourselves up, you know, we can never really overstate the significance, the importance, the great treasure trove of going to Mass on the first Friday. Draw close to Mass. Receive our Lord Jesus Christ in Holy Communion. Unite yourself to the words and the prayers and the gestures and the actions, the intention of the priest offering the Mass. The Mass is what keeps the world turning. And on this first Friday of the month, we draw close to Jesus in the Mass. But when we receive our Lord in Holy Communion, when we receive His heart in Holy Communion, it's an opportunity for us to offer those graces up as an act of reparation, an act of basically making a payment of love to the Lord on behalf of those who have offended him, who those who have denied him, those who have denied the Lord, attacked the Lord by going after the most vulnerable. Our Holy Father and his intention highlights Christian communities that are persecuted, but we can think of in our own neighborhoods how the little ones among mm. us are persecuted, mm. how the little ones are not guaranteed life. You know, and to think of everything going on and to by no means allow the darkness to overwhelm you, but to cling to the light, the light who is Jesus Christ, the light he gives to us in the Holy Eucharist, the light he wants to shine in our homes through his sacred heart. And that's part of the 12th promise also. Totally. Absolutely. Maybe you you should refresh us on what the 12th promise is. Well, the 12 promises that we review periodically, they're basically 12 summaries of the conversation our Lord had with St. Margaret Mary over those years that he was appearing to her in Perilamoniel. You know, and perhaps one of the greatest uh, promises for our purposes today is what's called the great promise, the twelfth promise. You know, I promise you in the excessive mercy of my heart that my all-powerful love shall grant to all who communicate on the first Friday of the month for nine consecutive months the grace of final, of final penitence. They shall not die in my displeasure, nor without their sacraments. 
My divine heart shall be their safe refuge in this last moment. Now, this uh, particular wording uses the word for all of those who communicate. That's not talk with one another. That's receive holy communion. You know, it's a it's a another word that we use for receive holy communion. So it's like, well, if I just talk, that's good. It's like, no, hun, quiet. Go to the holy mass, receive our Lord, communicate, receive holy communion. Of course, and once that requires you do grace. that for nine consecutive months, don't stop. You really won't stop. No, you're in. <laughs> you're, you're in. in. It's, like, it's like Bill Hager. He's here. Exactly, yeah. You're toast. You know, you're toast for Jesus. You gotta get in. You you love it. All right. Now, this is for Bill. I read this this morning from Venerable Fulton Sheen. It's the last paragraph in the Magnificat. He's so awesome. And uh, so forth. It says, I think that the real meaning is that when God made your human heart, he found it so good and so lovable that he kept a small sample of it in heaven. He sent the rest of it into the world to enjoy his gifts and to use them as stepping stones Back to him. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking of what you were talking about, that connection of heart, the sacred heart, the Eucharist. And I think we have to connect our hearts. Absolutely. I know uh, as we were sitting here, I was thinking um, in the the, uh, the 1200s, Christ appeared to a nun to have a feast day for his his body and blood, which is the Feast of Corpus Christi. Um, We typically use Holy Thursday to celebrate the institution of the Eucharist, but it's also a celebration of holy orders. And so it, it just kind of occurred to me, well, he came and appeared in the 1200s to have a, uh, a feast day for his body and blood. And it's like, well, maybe we didn't get that. So I'll come in the 1600s and I'll switch <laughs> the slow. words around a little right. bit. I know, we'll have a totally... feast day for a devotion of my heart. Maybe, maybe they'll get that. <laughs> I know. Yep. And then he reminds us later, you know, he... That's I think if you look over the whole spans of time, like someone who lives their Catholic faith is someone who automatically has to become knowledgeable of history Mm -hmm. because you start to look at history from the perspective of God. It's just one moment. It's one moment where the Lord is just giving one word after another about coming back home. Come to me. Whether now you begin, it's mercy. Yes, exactly. If you begin in the scriptures, you so many people cling to that image of the prodigal yeah. son. Yeah. But then, as you said, throughout the ages, you know, the Lord has come to humanity face to face and reminded us, you know, do not stray so far. Don't go so far. Why do you wander? Why are you lost? Why are you Why are you giving up? And whether it's, um, you know, the institution of the Feast of Corpus Christi, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, or then now the Feast of the Sacred Heart, you know, or if it's the reality of the Great Feast of Divine Mercy, you know, it is the Lord opening up the treasure trove of mercy and love that is resting within his heart for all. For all of us. You know, and I think at this point, for those that are listening, there's a great invitation we're offering this morning for you to put Jesus at the center of your home through enthroning our Lord. So call in 614-459-4820 or go to enthronements.com. And as Father said, we just had 75 sign up uh, combined at the two conferences We've uh, have witnessed over twenty five hundred homes. Yeah, and I, Father, have you done twenty five hundred homes? I know <laughs> we're working like against Father, <laughs> but anyway, it's it's a grace, and um, and I love it when you say it's the lifeline. We need Jesus more in homes than ever with all the distractions. And Bill, maybe 
challenge, what challenge would you make out there to people that are listening that are saying, well, it sounds good, but I'm not sure we're worthy. I'm not sure we're worthy. Well, in reality, none of us are probably worthy, but that's the beauty of it. God knows that we are within our hearts, our own hearts. And, uh, I, I know that it, it seems to, to me that a lot of people feel that way. I can't come to Eucharistic Adoration, I'm not worthy to be there, or I sit in the back mm-hmm. pew of Mass because I'm not worthy of because of my sinfulness. Well, we're all in the same boat there. And so I would just challenge people to to not listen to the other spirits that are whispering in your ear mm-hmm. that you're not worthy because you are made in the image and likeness of God. So Amen. you are. Mm-hmm. And so just come. And uh, I know at the IC Chapel, we have the uh, brochures for enthroning your homes and people do pick those mm-hmm. up. So we know that people are thinking about it. Um, but there there does seem to be a little bit of reservation on the part of people to make that initial phone call. And then even after they do, there's some hesitancy to bring people into their home, and we're, we haven't quite figured that out. But uh, Well, and if there really is a problem with, you know, not wanting missionaries to come into your home, we we have a home enthronement opportunity as well. It's not as, you know, I think the missionaries bring uh, the community. They bring a real gift. They bring technicolor. <laughs> they bring technicolor <laughs> to a black dare. and white world, you know? <laughs> They bring animation. <laughs> they bring animation. But, you know, that that should not be a barrier. Mm-hmm. Just no, do it. Yeah, just do it. And I know, Father, as we're talking about the gift of enthroning the homes, we're also talking about the gift of Lent coming up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is true. I'm so glad that we're all on the same page calling it a gift. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's the I holy season, it's the holy yeah, we, season we're of Lent. So you know? excited I'm about Lent coming up! I think you know this year we're given an ex- added extra grace by the Lord to have First Friday to just kind of feast upon His heart, to dwell uh-huh. in His heart, and say, you know, there's that very real human reservation. It's like, oh, it's so it's all about what we've got to give up. It's actually not about that. You know, the penitential discipline of Lent is a part of it. But that's not the focus. The focus of Lent is to help us draw closer and closer to the Lord. And if you're looking for, if you're discerning right now, if you're praying through, like, well, what is it I need to do? It's not just about what we give up. It's about what we take upon ourselves. And Lent, this season that begins in a couple of days, Wednesday to be exact, but as Wednesday, you have an opportunity through this radio program to connect. And it's like, you know what? This year, this Lent, I want the heart of Christ present in my home. I want to change things up a bit. This year, this Lent, I want to take on an hour a week of adoring the Lord in the Eucharist. You know, this year, this Lent, I need to make it different. And the fact of the matter is, if Easter Sunday is not the most joyful, I mean, the most exciting event of your life every year, then that means you're not living Lent. Because mm-hmm. the person who lives Lent cannot wait for Easter. Mm, I mean, you cannot wait for Easter to come because Lent has been real. You have lived the denial. You've lived the rejection. You've lived the opportunity to say, I'm going to forego the goods of this creation for the greater good that is the Creator and the word he spoke, who is Jesus, and to accept that love that Jesus has for me. You know, we were speaking earlier about there's reservation, there's hesitation with regard to the enthronement or taking an hour of adoration. But that's like speaking to someone who's so used to saying, staying in a room that's filled with darkness. And you say, well, why don't you step out into the light? And you say, 
no, that's going to hurt my eyes. And it's like, but you do it carefully. You do it very carefully and purposely. You were not made for the darkness. You were made for the light. And Father, this is a time, start today, to start thinking, you know, go through your books. Pull out the ones that you would have liked to have read, haven't read, or, you know, were meaningful to you. Think about, you know, for those who have enthroned, renew that. Spend even five minutes in the morning in Mm -hmm. front of that image of the Sacred Heart of just getting used to really acknowledging the pictures that are there and connecting with the heart of our Lord. And sometimes I've waited until, you know, pushed it off until, oh, this is lit. (laughs) And then I'm kind of, you know, just scattered and don't really have a plan. And then no plan becomes nothing. No plan is the plan. uh, Yeah, no plan is the plan. That's why I tell Chuck, when I only have a plan for dinner, that's the plan. Every man for himself and God for all. (laughs) And one question, Father, why 40 days? Yeah, why 40 days? Why 40 days? Why not five days? Well, that would be the drive-through approach, and we don't do drive-through. We do sit down. Oh, I like that. The forty-day approach goes back to the significance of that number forty, which you find throughout the totality of sacred scripture. Whether it's the Old Testament forty years wandering through the desert, whether it's the New Testament forty days of prayer and fasting in the desert on the part of our Lord before the beginning, the initiation of public ministry, the the forty days is an opportunity for us to live scripture to live the life of Christ, and it's really to prepare ourselves, to unite ourselves to the Lord for the glory of the Easter moment. Now, the thing is, the Lord spent 40 days in the desert before the proclamation of the kingdom, the three years of public ministry. We spend 40 days preparing for the glory of the Lord in Easter. We know in the life of the church, if you look towards the religious, especially the monasteries, whenever there's a huge, great, high holy day, a solemnity, Usually the day before, it's a day of penance. Not because the Lord hates us and we want to somehow win over his love for the solemnity. It's a period of preparation. It's a period of discipline. It's so that we can actually appreciate the solemnity, the celebration of the day. If every day we had fireworks, Hmm. well, Independence Day would mean nothing. If every day we had a huge fireworks display on the riverfront, downtown Columbus, guess what? Red, white, and boom wouldn't mean anything. Not to mention the pollution. Yes, there is that. <laughs> and we're very happy to have that. Yes, so we don't want to pollute every day. You know, just one day, apparently. But you know, we don't want to celebrate every day because then it takes away from it. And it's like you go to a child and you say, Well, in truth, in truth, every day is truly a birthday. But if we celebrate every day as the birthday, that one day of the year where we celebrate mm-hmm. that introduction to life of the child when that little one became visible to us. It wouldn't have as much significance. So we're all used to understanding the need to kind of tame down and celebrate things on particular days and particular moments. But we're also used to the understanding the need to have a preparation for that. And that's where Lent is. It's a time to prepare for unity with the Lord in his glory. And that opportunity is rich with going to confession. It's rich with what we call discipline. And this is the thing. You know, in English, in every language, there are those words that are not supposed to be spoken. But with regard to our holy faith, there's no such word. But for some reason, when you hear the word penance, 
You know, everyone like shrieks and is、yeah. like, oh, you don't say that. When you say the word discipline、uh. or when you say fasting or abstaining, I mean, these are all beautiful words. Jesus says, repent and believe. Well, part of repenting is turning away from the goods of this world so that our hearts and our hands are truly open to grasp onto the greater good that is the Lord, his love, his mercy, his heart. And when you understand, you know, just. Just an iota, just a tiny bit of his divine love, his love for you, you know, regardless of where you are, regardless of what you've done, when you understand his love for you, then you understand, okay, my penance involves love. And penance without love is just nothing but self torture. And that is in direct、mm. opposition to the gospel of life. If whatever penance you choose to do, whatever discipline you decide to live, there must be love. You know, if you go without music, Like a certain priest sitting in the studio at San Gabriel Radio. If <laughs> you go without music for Lent, it's painful. But I realize the only reason why I'm doing this is because my love for the Lord has to be greater than my love for music. You know, if I'm going to abstain from something for all of Lent, my love for the Lord has to be greater than、But、that love. Love is not a feeling either, it's an it's, act of the will. It's an act of the will. Yeah. You know, because that feeling,、mm-hmm. uh, this is good.、Comes、this is、goes. good. This is good. That wears Now, off pretty、yeah. fast. <laughs> Father, people. Uh, are confused. What do they give up on Ash Wednesday?、Um, and, you know, the food, one meal. What's a one meal? Yeah. But what is、sure. really, what is the church really teaching us、yeah. by abstaining during that one day? So the days of、um, fasting the days of fasting are two in number right now in our area. It's、uh, Good Friday and Ash Wednesday, days of fasting. And of course, they're also days of abstaining. So when you abstain from something, you go without it. So we abstain on meat every Friday in Lent. On Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, we're also called to abstain from meat, but then also fast. And when you fast, Uh, fasting doesn't pertain to what you're going without. Fasting pertains to how much you consume. So, if you're fasting, you're supposed to reduce the food you take in. And one of the things I learned from a Marian pilgrimage was that you know, fasting it pertains more not to like hating the flesh or rejecting the need for sustenance or rejecting the need to eat. No, it comes down to taming the flesh. You know, and like one of the fasts that I picked up, which was of the ancient church, was bread and water. Now, when we say bread and water, I'm not referring to that square piece of bread that if you hold up to the light, you can see through not it. Not Wonder Bread. That's,、eh, no, <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, not that kind, not bread, you know. <laughs> I'm talking about like the hearty bread, you know,、yeah. the kind that you can throw into a bowl of soup and it doesn't disappear, you know, that kind of bread. And you can feast off of that, you know, and that's something where you simplify your diet. Now, the rules of fasting for our country is you can have one meal of normal size and then two that are smaller.、Um, But you know, when people ask me, Father, what am I supposed to do with fasting? I say, don't, don't go for the easy route. You know, ease into it through discipline, ease into it, be mature about it, but make sure that you take your penance to the Lord. You know, and if you are, if you are invited by the Lord to actually practice the real fast, understand that days of penance are both Wednesday and Friday. Wednesdays and Fridays, not just Fridays. Wednesdays and Fridays are days of penance. Wednesday, because that's the day that Judas betrayed Jesus. Friday, because that's the day our Lord Jesus died on the cross. So, this opportunity to abstain from something for the totality of Lent, but then also to fast regularly and to find that fasting is truly an incredible experience of prayer and making oneself present before the throne of the living God. That's very helpful, Father. Now, what about seniors? There is a. They、uh, exist. Ex- yes. 
<laughs> but I mean, it's actually helpful for oh, seniors because yes. they, they are not really under. And also little ones. And little ones. Yes. But they can actually make more of a sacrifice sure. by doing it because uh, sure. it's not the law. Well, whenever our health is in question or our stamina is in question, of course, things change, right? Um, and the church does get an allowance for those who are seniors or little ones to not fast. But at the same time, it's still understood that they will abstain. And a lot of people are like, oh, they're synonymous. No, they're actually not synonymous. You know, fasting require, requires how much food we take in. And if someone's on a lot of medicine, common sense has to be employed. Mm-hmm. But one may still abstain. And the thing is, like in our culture, we are like basically brainwashed to always look for the shortcut. I want an out. I want an excuse. I want the doctor's note telling me I don't have to do this. But once again, where's the love? Where is the love in all of that? Mm-hmm. If there's no love and penance, then all of us want an out because you know, mm-hmm. it's torture. Mm-hmm. But if there's love there, it's like, okay, how do I do this so as to stay in conformity with the heart of Jesus? And uh, once again, take it up with your parish priest, have a conversation with it, especially if there's an, a matter of health or infirmity or of age, and uh, to trust in the glory of the Lord. Very helpful, you know, Father. Th- there Thank is you. good news, though, Father, for he has the risen. enthronement of the Sacred Heart. <laughs> Our preparation phase is only seven days. It's true. That <laughs> it's not and you just days. do your best. Yes. Seven days. That's true. And uh, so what a gift it is. And again, for all that are listening this morning, we're just giving a personal invite to really consider having your homes enthroned. And if you have had them enthroned, remember, it's exposed and honor. And right. renew. It's a continuation. Yeah. Renew your enthronement, bring the book out, do the prayers, and really start to make Jesus at the center of your family. If you bring the heart of Christ into your home, it's an invitation to live the love, to live his love. You know? and, maybe, and maybe dads can do something charitable for their, their families, their wives, by enthroning their homes during this Lenten season. Oh, good idea. Especially on... Uh, Feast of St. Joseph. Maybe they could begin and end. Ooh, the feast. Challenge has been set. We thank you for joining us for this hour dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus on this first Friday of the month of March. Please hear our words. Know that you are loved by the Almighty. And if possible, please attend Holy Mass and receive our Lord Jesus Christ as an act of love, as an act of reparation to the Lord. And we close out this hour by turning to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Most kind Jesus, we humbly kneel at thy feet. We renew the consecration of ourselves to your divine heart. Be thou our King forever. In you we have full and entire confidence. May thy Holy Spirit penetrate our thoughts, our desires, our words, and our deeds. Bless all our undertakings, share in our joys, and in our trials, and in our labors. Grant us to know thee better, to love thee more, and to serve thee without faltering. Amen. Amen. God bless you. This is listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820 on WVSG Columbus and FM88.3 WSGR, New Boston, Portsmouth.